Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 377, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, much to dazzle and entertain you with. We got a little Cowboys. We got, believe it or not, we got some Mavs. We got some stars. We got a little bit of everything on this one. But none of this happens without our great sponsors. And, of course, uh, at the top of that list is Greening Law, who... I worked with, as many of you know, for, man, it, it took them, I think it was like 20 months going through my case when I was involved in a car accident that was not my fault. I was hurt. I had some medical bills. Insurance got involved. I was like, what am I going to do? Well, the first Monday morning after my accident, I called Greening Law. They're like, oh, yeah, you got a case. So they brought me on, and I'm glad they did because they went to bat for me. The things that they are able to do, because they have the expertise, they know how to ask certain things, they know how, who to push, how to negotiate in certain areas. It, it's incredible what they do. If you find yourself in this situation, hurt in a car accident, you've experienced malpractice, you had an injury to your person, your first call needs to be to Greening Law. Matt's told you, if you're involved in a situation like that, the reason why you need to call Greening Law is they will grind for you. Plus, Matt just explained it to you. It's a long process, man, 20 months. It's tedious. It can be nerve-wracking. It can be a little intimidating. It can be scary going up against somebody else's insurance company. Greening Law holds your hand through the whole process. They tell you when to turn left, when to turn right, when to stay, when to chill, when to be aggressive, when to attack. All that stuff you wouldn't know when to do, they do it for you. They've got a proven track record. So if you're involved in something and you've been wronged and you've been hurt, you need to pick up the phone and give them a call, 972-934-8900. Give them the details of your case. Consultation's free now, and they don't get paid unless you get paid. It's a win-win. It is a win-win, so make it happen. And again, as Jacques just told you, it's free to find out if you have a case or not. So if you think you might, maybe you don't know, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. And that is where we find your Dallas Cowboys. And this is going to be an interesting conversation because you, you see this a lot. And it centers around something that Dan Orlovsky put out on the social medias. 
and we've mentioned this before, Dan Orlovsky originally was a refreshing, really good analyst giving insightful analysis. Then he realized, wait a second, Stephen A. Smith and some of these other guys are yelling and screaming and they're not even getting the names right on the rosters and they're making millions and millions of dollars. So man, maybe if I just throw crap out there that's polarizing, I can make millions and millions of dollars. Well, sure enough, he was correct because we live in a society where who cares if it's true or not, you can just target certain fan bases like the Cowboys, throw out a certain number, piss off enough people, and man, you will get all kinds of attention. All kinds of attention. I was going to say, that's just kind of the way it works, man. And the other day, he threw out a number on Dak Prescott. He said, oh, he's got 29 interceptions Mm -hmm. and 33 interceptions last uh, 29 games. Wow. Didn't expect that. And, you know, that, of course, launched a um, a big tete-a-tete on uh, social media. Yeah, because everybody who's a fan of the Cowboys or Dak goes after Dan Orlovsky. And people who hate Dak, the hate hive, which still exists, he's overrated. They should have never paid him. Most overrated quarterback in the NFL. All this. And, and again, it's about generating reaction. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is, yeah, Dak, most of those picks were based off of last year. And we, we've already said that, what, I mean, it's no big shock. It's no breaking news. Dak had a bad year last year. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I don't think he's surprised by that, uh, by the fact that he that he had a uh, that he had a bad year. So, you know, but but when you point it out like that, Josh Josh Allen, who we all consider one of the best quarterbacks in the league, oh my goodness, what did he do, bro? He threw thirty nine picks in the same frame. <laughs> what? Oh my god, he must suck. Is he trash? You know, so what are you going? And you know, the thing about the picks is, what's what's your point? What do you, what's your purpose? What are you trying to say? Um, you know, I mean, that's really the question. What are you trying to say? Twenty nine picks, last thirty games, sixty nine touchdowns. So he's, uh, you know, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, and again, that's what's so interesting is I think any of us who are actually Cowboys fans, we all watch the games. The reality of it is, yes, we know that what Dak did last year cannot survive. And, and look, I was a Dak defender for years, and I came out and flat out said that I've reached a point. I don't know if the guy can take him to a Super Bowl championship because he hasn't done it. And, and we said when you signed the contract that he signed a few years ago, they gave you that contract because the belief was you can lead them to where they have not been in 25-plus seasons now, which at the minimum is right. an NFC championship game appearance. And I said it then, and I'll continue to say it. If they don't, at at a minimum, get to the NFC title game during the length of that contract, he failed. I, I that's what I believe because that's why they paid him. I mean, who's going to argue with that? <laughs> but the reality of it is, to act like Dak is trash or that he's not a good quarterback, I, I would disagree with that. He's not elite. You and I have never said that he is elite. It, it feels like we spend so much time doing this. But again, Orlovsky can come on. I mean, this dude put this out yesterday. This tweet has been on Twitter for less than 24 hours. It has 600 responses. I mean, in less than 24 hours, that's what you would expect. Kind of a shocking stat. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, you know, when you compare quarterbacks, all quarterbacks throw interceptions, all quarterbacks have bad reads, all quarterbacks miss throws. Uh, What you want is a guy who's consistently pretty good, a guy who's consistently good, a guy who wins more games than he loses. The Cowboys have won 24 games the last two years. Dax had a hand in 18 or 19 of those. 
And so, you know, he's a good quarterback. That's really not the issue. The issue is can he elevate his game and can they take his team to the NFC Championship game and then obviously the Super Bowl? That's the question remaining for him. It's not whether he's a good quarterback. And when you throw up stats like 29 picks in 33 games, you're trying to kind of infer, imply that he's really not that good as you thought he was. And that is just, I mean, there's other quarterbacks you can pick on if you want to go that route. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of surprised Pat Mahomes in the last two seasons, or I guess if you want to go even three seasons for Pat Mahomes. Now, granted, it's not 33 starts. It's 49 starts. Pat Mahomes has thrown 31 interceptions. Yeah. Kind of surprising because I thought Pat Mahomes was perfect and never made any mistakes. (laughs) No, but, you know, uh, I was in an event the other day and somebody put, Pat Mahomes and Dak in the same sense, and I just stopped. Well, I wouldn't do that. I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah, that's and that's what I told this dude because he was like, "Well, you know, Mahomes." Come on, man, let's not go there. Like we all know, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. We all know Dak fits somewhere between probably eight and eleven, depending on who you are and how you view the game, and that's okay. Um, It's up to him to have a bounce back season, play his best football, and take a team that's really good where they should be figure out a way to beat philly and san francisco and uh get where you're going but i gotta tell you and we'll talk much more considerably more about this thursday schedule's coming out bro and i'm just here to tell you man that schedule is rugged it is rugged (laughs) it's rugged and it's rugged because of the divisions that they're matched up against this year Uh, especially the afc east there's no easy out in the afc East with buffalo with the patriots they the patriots are actually probably the easiest game um you know, uh, Miami and the Jets, uh, that's, a, that's a rugged four-game stretch. And it's not any easier for the other teams coming back with sure, Dallas, Philadelphia, sure. and the Giants all being really good teams. But that schedule is a uh, – that thing's a thing, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be real, man. And, and, you know, speaking of the schedule, it's going to be interesting because there are some changes – to the NFL schedule, which, by the way, I believe is being released on Thursday evening. 7 p.m., I believe. Right. So we record earlier than that on Thursday. And, and shockingly, we already know all 16 teams, 17 teams the Cowboys are going to play. So we will review the schedule over the weekend and not necessarily for Friday's podcast. But some of the changes we do know, the NFL is playing on, on Black Friday for the first time ever. Games won't necessarily be owned by networks anymore. All games are free agents, which is interesting. Teams can now be on Thursday night football twice, and not all teams are guaranteed to have a primetime spot. So that'll be interesting because in the past, even teams that sucked, you had to at least play, you know, they usually put them on Monday night or whatever for their primetime appearance. Right. That is not the case anymore. And the Cowboys always max out, and I don't know that they've gotten rid of the max amount of appearances because they would give them like their five and then plus Thanksgiving. But again, I mean, you can go and look, even when the Cowboys aren't that great, and this is my favorite thing to do to people who think the Cowboys don't generate interest, go look at the top viewed games for last year, like regular season games, and the Cowboys are like half of the top 10. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not complicated to me, man. People either love them or they hate them. But they watch them for those two reasons. Yep. They, they do a very good job of not being indifferent and not having people view them as such. No. And that's, I mean, if you're Jerry Jones and you're marketing your football team, that's exactly what you want. You want, what you don't want is apathy. What you want is engagement. 
whether they're cheering you, whether they're booing you, whatever, you want people talking about you and engaged with what you do. And clearly the Cowboys fit that threshold. Yeah, I guess if there is a silver lining to some degree for the Cowboys is the fact that since they didn't win the division, they don't have to play other division winners. So that could be a positive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, the other thing, I was sitting, like I said, I was in event this weekend. Uh, actually, it was Clarence Hill was raising uh, money for a scholarship for his dad who passed uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, I was sitting down with a couple people I like, but they were going through the schedule, man. Like, well, here, they're going to lose this one. They're going to win this one. And I was just like, bruh, can we wait and see who's on the team first? How about that? I mean, I know we pretty much know who's on the team, but, you know, can we wait and see who's on the team? Can we see who got hurt in training camp? What rookie showed up that surprised <laughs> us? What rookie were we like, oh, we thought that guy was good. He can't play at all. You know, can we just do all of that, man, before we decide that they're, you know, 11 and 7 or whatever they're going to be? I know the answer is no, but I'm just like, wow. No, nah, man, you got to go through it right now and go through every game and figure out who's going to win and who's going to lose. I mean, everybody does it, and we'll do some of that, but I'm just like, dude, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Because like I said, you don't even know who's on the team yet. Well, see, and the, and the thing of it is, like, we knew when the season ended who they're playing. The schedule release just puts them in whatever order they're going to be in, but we know who they're playing. Like, you just went through, they got to play the AFC East this year. They're obviously playing their division. In the NFC, they play the NFC West. So they got to play the Cardinals, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. And then there are, three, there are three teams that are different. They play at the Carolina Panthers, they play the Detroit Lions, and they play at the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are the three games that are different than what everybody else in their division is playing. Yeah. So, you know, it's a uh, – schedule. the NFL has figured out how to make the schedule a big deal. And a lot of it's, you know, you, when you're playing your, your primetime games – you know, if you got who you open with, who you end with, and then if you got some three-game road trips, all that kind of stuff. But uh, the NFL has made it intriguing, bro, and we're all in. Yeah, we are. And and it's, like you said, I mean, there's some differences. There's a difference between do you go to Miami in early September or do you go to Miami in December when it's not actually too bad for you? Are you going same with Buffalo? Right. Same huh. with Buffalo. Same with going to Washington. Are you, are you playing Washington in January? Are you playing Washington in September when there's not really going to be any snow or craziness like Buffalo's the same way? So, you know, even Philadelphia going on to the road to Philadelphia, you going when it's freezing cold out or are you going earlier in the season? So outside of that, it, you know, I've, I've never understood. I, personally, I've never understood the big idea with the schedule release, mainly because I can tell you all 17 teams that they're already going to play. It's just whatever order they're in. But it's not like all of a sudden there's going to be something on the schedule release on Thursday night where they're like, ha, we were kidding. Instead of playing the AFC East, the Cowboys now are going to play these teams. <laughs> like we already know. I mean, so I don't know. It's just whatever order. And I guess some people are like, well, who are they going to open with? And is it going to be Sunday? Like, and they, may, they very well may do this. Will the Cowboys and the New York Jets play each other on Sunday night? to open the season, Aaron Rodgers in Dallas. Maybe they will. Now, if I was the NFL, and, and I, I don't know if they play, I think they do. I think the Jets play the Packers this year. If not, then you got to think, if they don't, and I'm looking at their schedule, no, they don't. So if I'm the NFL, maybe you go, hey, Aaron Rodgers, first game as a Jet, on the road in Dallas against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, you'd have a ridiculous amount of people watching that game. 
Yeah. I was trying to think. Do you want to do that, or do you want to stick him up against one of his one of the big rivals and rival quarterbacks in the AFC to jump it off? No, maybe you do that because obviously Josh Allen and the Bills. Or do you okay. say because they got to play the Giants? Do you say it's Jets Giants on Sunday night? That I could see. You know, well, you may do time, that. Both those teams have been relevant in a while. Yeah, you could do that. Who I mean, owns it, New York. Yeah, battle for New York. Yeah, yeah I mean, like you you could promote the the hell out of that man. So we'll see. And I mean, reality of it is, if the if the Eagles had won the Super Bowl, I bet the Cowboys would have opened at Philadelphia on that Thursday night. Yes, sir. But the Eagles did not win the Super Bowl. Kansas City did. And I could see that because the Jets play Kansas City. I could see it being Aaron Rodgers against Pat Mahomes Thursday night opener. I can see that, too. So, you know, game, who's going to open the season? That's always interesting. And who are the Cowboys going to play on Thanksgiving? Outside of that, cool. And then, like, for us, like, with what we do, doing the podcast and doing, you know, in years past, you'd, I immediately looked and see and would try to be like, all right, how many nights am I going to be up until midnight or 1 a.m.? Exactly. You know. And, uh, <laughs> you know what holidays are they playing on? All exactly. Yeah, all that stuff, man. So you kind of look at the schedule a little bit differently, but the schedule will be coming out later this week, and, and we'll go through it when we do the, the podcast uh, over, over the weekend. But as we continue here for our purposes on this episode, man, I had a buddy that, that this is horrible. And, and when your air conditioning goes out and it is already, because I know in Dallas it's getting warmer and we are, we are unseasonably warm here in Alabama this week as well. And I have a friend who works at the station with me. His air conditioning went out. He was like the other day inside their home, it got up to 88 degrees. And I was like, dude, it's wow. too bad you don't live in Texas because I would tell you immediately, call Flow Air, heating and air. <laughs> They'll get you taken care of. And he was like, yeah, man. He's like, we're trying to get it fixed. And it's not cheap. Like, it isn't. And that's the reality of it. When, when you start getting into the real hot summer months and it's already starting to warm up, Flow Air Heating and Air is family and veteran-owned and operated. They have over 16 years of experience. And right now, for the month of May, they are offering their yearly maintenance package for $99 per system instead of the normal $169. That savings right there, I would take advantage of if I were you. Get your system serviced and checked out before you start running it nonstop coming up here in the hot Texas summer. No, I mean, you know, it's already been, I think we had a 90-degree day last week. It was the warmest day on that particular day since the 80s. Set a new record. So the air conditioning is coming, man, and this is really the time to get it checked out. You don't want to wait till the summer where it's having to work overtime. You want to do just like you get your car checked out before you go on a road trip. You want your air conditioner units checked out and all that stuff, man, checked out before the summer hits, especially in Texas, though, where that thing works overtime. It's like a hamster on that wheel mm -hmm. uh, during the summer. And so, you know, Flow Air is the place to get it done, man, because they do quality work. They've been doing it for decades now parts of four or five decades and they're the place if you want your home cool in the summer when it's hot as hell in texas yeah and they service the entire dfw metroplex they offer 24 7 emergency service so for those of you who are like no nah, i'll be okay and then you wake up because you're sweating to death because your air conditioning went out you can call them in the middle of the night 24 7 emergency service call them or text them shoot them a text it's flow air heating and air 817-808-4115, 817-808-4115, Flow Air, Heating and Air, check them out. Also, of course, Bruce Biltong, who's back with us, and 
Man, we love Bruce Biltong. I love, this is nuts. I was telling somebody about this the other day. What were we talking about? Somehow beef jerky came up and I was like, I'll tell you what you need to try is Biltong. And, and no one that we were talking to had any idea what, they were like, what? They thought I was making it up. And I was like, no, for real, it's a, it's a South. They're like, how do you know about this? I was like, oh, I eat bruised biltong all the time. They're like, dude, I've never heard of this. So I showed it to them on my phone. I was like, I'm telling you, it's a real thing that exists. They're like, oh, that's nuts. And I was like, yeah. So this is what you need to get because it's super healthy. It's lean, high protein, and it's a great snack. And it is colossally better than, than beef jerky. I mean, if you like beef jerky, you will absolutely love biltong. And bruised biltong is where you get it at. No, man. Um, we like it because what? Number one, it tastes great. <laughs> How about that? It's a little succulent. It's kind of tender. It's juicy. It's everything that beef jerky is not when it comes to flavor and texture. It did, man. All the health benefits. You know, it's got no carbs in it. It's pure protein, man. 30 grams of protein. Imagine that. 30 grams of protein in a two-ounce pack, only 240 calories. It's fantastic. It's good. And as I like to tell my kids when they were little, it's good. And it's good for you. Yes, it is. It's very good. It's, it, I mean, again, you're going to love it. I thought, man, I, I completely forgot about that. And it was totally random because these are people that I hang out with in Alabama. And we just randomly had a sign conversation and I got to show them and tell them about Bruce Biltong, just not even associated with the podcast, but it's, it's where to go get it, man. And they offer 15% off if you use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. It's Bruce Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. So check them out, man, and support these guys. Support our sponsors because they support us and help keep this thing going, and we appreciate that. So let's take this trip around the block real quick. And a lot of you noticed that there was no podcast earlier this week. And I mentioned this before, but this is going to happen a couple of times over the course of the summer. When you get these summer trips that you are on, you're out and about, you're traveling. So we went to Nashville over the weekend, this past weekend, to see Taylor Swift. And we did not get back until Sunday night. I mean, we did not walk in the house until right about the start of the third period for the Dallas Stars game. And so because of that being so late, I mean, by the time we got back, man, I was exhausted and I was like, you know what? It's just part of it. And this is going to happen again. I'm going to tell you right now, coming up in a couple of weeks, I will be in Austin and we do not land coming back from Austin until 1155 at the airport. So there will not be a Sunday podcast that day to drop on Monday. And then probably the next week over Memorial Day. So you guys just kind of keep that in mind that there's not going to be the normal amount of podcasting that we would normally have because of some traveling and stuff that just it, it's the equipment that I have. It's just a lot to make it happen. So just wanted to get everybody up to date on why there wasn't one and that it's going to happen again. But uh, it'll be OK if you don't see a podcast on a Monday then usually that means that one of us was out of town and traveling just didn't allow us to feasibly be able to do this thing. But I will say, you know, you got to give props to Taylor Swift and, and you can hate her music. You don't have to like her, whatever. That's great. But as a performer, man, she did. We she went on stage at about at seven fifty four and wrapped up the concert like at eleven twenty something. I mean, she played wow. for almost three and a half hours. 45 songs and it was just i mean the energy the performance this massive stage that was all led so every song had like its own led theme and the backdrop they all had props and costume i mean it was just never seen anything like it like just absolutely incredible Seventy thousand uh, people going berserk man and and 
It was impressive, man, at Nissan Stadium out out there in Nashville. It's like she's the uh, she's this this. Uh, I want. I was trying to figure out the right word. I want to say she's like Bruce Springsteen in terms of she's putting on these enormously long shows and. Everybody's thrilled by the fact that she's staying on stage and doing 40, 45 songs. And uh, I think that's a good thing, man, because so many times these bands, these groups come on, they play like an hour, hour and a half, and they're like, peace out. And you pay a lot of money for that. You're like, oh, it was cool. But when you feel, there's nothing better, man, than when you spend some money on something and you feel like you got your money's worth. And you're just like, you know what? That was a big chunk of change for me. Whatever that number was and whatever you did, but you go, what? It was worth it. I, I didn't mind. I did not mind spending the money on that. Got my money's worth. That's always a great feeling. Yeah, man. I mean, she played songs from all 10 of her albums. Now, some of them, like maybe like her, I think her debut album, she played like one or two songs from. But the, her latest, I mean, it, it wasn't like, oh, because she just put out an album a few months ago. And, and a lot of bands will just tour and be like, hey, here's all the songs from this album. Then maybe we'll throw in a couple of hits that everybody knows. You know, she right. played like half of the new album, but then added it. it, it I mean, there, some of these other albums, she's playing six, seven songs or she'd play a couple of songs, you know, for like a minute and a half and sing it and then move on. It was it was impressive. And what's nuts is so she was playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday night in Nashville. Each show the same with two two surprise songs. So every show is basically the same. And then in the course of each show, she plays two songs that she had never played on the tour before. So you kind of get that unique experience of it. What was interesting is Sunday night, as we're leaving Nashville, a monsoon storm hits. I mean, they had tornado warning, lightning and thunder. And we all know Nissan Stadium does not have a roof. Nope. So all these people, 70,000 people who arrived for the Taylor Swift show, they had to corral them. They evacuated the stadium because of the weather. And all these people are in the concourses underneath sheltered underneath from the lightning and the storm and the heavy rain and all this there was a four hour delay to the start of her concert from what i understand she ended up going on stage at like almost like 10 15 10 30 at night and she played the same show it even rained a little bit while she was on stage and she played the in the exact same show until almost two o'clock in the morning to make sure everybody got what they paid for that will endear you to your fan base i was like good lord man I mean, that's impressive. Like, you don't cancel. You say, no, we're going to wait out the rain. I'm going to go on. I'm doing the same show. Everybody's getting what they paid for. thought that was kind of cool. I wonder what made her take this approach. Because it's unusual because most bands, most individuals don't. So I wonder what made her take this approach where she's playing so many songs. Because, you know, I think uh, when she played in Houston, my, uh, I had some family go. And... Uh, you know, I saw them on Facebook talking about, oh, she played all these songs. It was three hours. It was fantastic. And, you know, just wherever you read, it's people saying that, uh, you know, she put on a great show and she played 44, 45 songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, she has a massive, massive fan base, but I, I don't know how many acts can play multiple nights in a row at the same venue that seats 70,000 people and sell it out. I mean, that's you know, 200,000 people in three days showing up to Nashville to go watch this person sing. And obviously there are other acts that can do this. There's no doubt. Bruce Springsteen, as you mentioned, Billy Joel could probably do this. You know, some of those big time massive bands, I, I, I would guess, you know, I, could Aerosmith do this? I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of those old school bands that are still around. 
that have so many songs that they could go through. The Stones obviously could do this. But I don't know how many acts that aren't 40 to 50 years old that could could do this right now. Um, and there's probably a few others. I'm sure there are. But like Matchbox you? 20, whom I love, Matchbox 20 is not selling out 70,000-seat stadiums three nights in a row. I was always curious how she, how she, because everybody talks about the energy in which she performs, I was always curious how she kept her, her voice, you know, sounding strong and pure and clear uh, with as many performances she's doing with as much energy as she's using on her performance. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's intense. Does she, does she dance at all? Or she oh, no, she's dancing. I mean, she's moving around. She gets sweaty. It's incredible. I mean, she is, she's doing it all, man. I mean, that's even more impressive to be able to do all of that and keep your voice, uh, you know, because voice is what it is. So yeah, and I, I think because this show playing that many songs, you know, she's got some acoustic stuff and some slower stuff, and it seemed like she would play like six or seven songs from one of the more poppy albums and then go into one of her more folky, slower albums and sing a few songs from that that don't require as much. I, 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 don't, I mean, maybe not from a singing standpoint, but I'm talking about jumping around and moving around, you know what I mean? Right. And maybe you give your body a little bit of a break and then you go back into the energetic songs and all that. And I'm also curious, how'd she lay out the songs? Were they were they mood based or chronologically order based or how'd she I don't know. I mean they weren't either. It just seemed to be whatever it was. Put that, I wonder how she put that all together. I don't know, but there there was one I mean, the stage was awesome because she came up in the middle of the stage from the bottom, like all of a sudden like all these people came out with like these giant flag things. And you're like, is she under one of those? And you couldn't see. And then they all gather in the center of the stage. And then the next thing you know, they open up and she's just standing in the middle of them, which was kind of cool. And that same, at that same token, like right before the end of it, she finishes the last song of one of her albums, turns around. There's a hole in the stage that nobody can see. You just see her like jump up in the air and go through the stage. Wow. And you're like, what the hell just happened? That was nuts. But yeah, I mean, these big time acts, man, they put on good shows and she's up there. So Good times in Nashville. We, we definitely enjoyed it. You and I were talking about this earlier. I mean, Nashville's a really cool town. There, there's a lot to do. It's gotten, in a sense, as country folk might say, a little bit too big for its britches. Because <laughs> they have traffic that a, a, a city of that size, I mean, there are parts, we're driving around on Sunday afternoon and there's just traffic. And I'm going, man, for a city like this, if you've already got traffic like this, you are in for a miserable time because that city is only continuing to grow. Now, now uh, some of you know this, some of you don't. Both my parents are from Nashville. Mom went to Fisk, which is an HBCU in Nashville. My father went to Tennessee State, which is obviously in Nashville. So I spent much of my childhood in Nashville, whether I was hanging out there in the summer with my grandparents and my cousins or whether we were, we were coming through for holidays and stuff. And so, uh, you know, it's really like a second hometown to me. I'm, I'm pretty good at getting around it. And, you know, um, so it's been interesting to watch it over the last 20 years go from being this middle-sized, cool little city to this, you know, thriving big metropolis. And, uh, you know, I was telling Matt, I, I basically had a job there in 2006. It was one of the weirder circumstances of my career. But I had accepted a position to be a did you hear that, Matt? I had accepted the position yeah. to, to be a columnist at the Nashville Tennessean um, in 2006 uh, before I became a columnist in Dallas. 
and a variety of very strange and bizarre circumstances of which I really had nothing to do with made them call me and say, because when I say I had accepted it, I came back and told the morning news, hey, I'm not playing a negotiating game with you. I'm taking this columnist job, and here's when I'll be leaving, right around the start of training camp. I just want to make sure you got enough time to get a replacement for me. And um, like I said, a very set of very bizarre circumstances took place. And the editor called me and said, hey, we got a lot of turmoil at our paper right now. Let me clean up all this turmoil and we'll bring you in at the first of the year. I said, okay, cool, no problem. Again, you heard that. We'll bring you in at the first year. Like we had already agreed to money and everything. Dang. And um, I told the morning news, I said, hey, uh, this thing, something's going on there. And so I'm not leaving until January. And they were cool. They're like, oh, great, we get you for the football season. I said, okay, yeah. Because remember, that's the year Vince Young was coming out. So they wanted to tie me. Oh, and bring nice. Me in. Yeah to be covering Vince as he was starting his career. And what happened was the morning news had some buyouts in uh, late August. And Jerry Fraley took a buyout, I believe, and Kevin Sherrington took a buyout. I mean, not Kevin Sherrington, Kevin Blackstone took a buyout. And all of a sudden we went from four columnists to two. And so I got a phone call, hey, come, uh, when you got some time, come by the office, I wanna talk to you. It was Bob Yates was the sports editor. And he was like, hey, we've had some movement here. Uh, I know you want to be a columnist. Would you rather be a columnist here or in Nashville? I was like, hell yeah, I'd rather be a columnist here. He's like, okay, you got the job. And boom, that's how I ended up a columnist in Dallas and not in Nashville. That's really interesting. Hmm. That close. I mean, you were, you were there. You were going. Yeah, because again, <sighs> both my parents were there. I'm very familiar with the city. And it was a, it was a good fit. And this is how wild it was and why I felt like it was destined for me to go is because I found out about the job from my college, one of my college professors had told me about it. And the guy, he was a black guy. And this is important because the guy who was the sports editor in Nashville was his best friend who was also a black guy. And again, it's important because at that particular time, there was maybe three or four black sports editors in the entire country. So he was looking to hire a black columnist to bring a different voice to Nashville. And so um, that's why he was like, oh, yeah, look at you. Look at the work you've done. Yeah. And, you know, he had to stamp of approval from his best friend who happened to be my college professor. So it was all working right in the same way. And that's how I ended up with all those opportunities. Man, Interesting. See, Na- see, yeah. yeah, Nashville, especially if you'd gotten in back then, I mean, that, you're talking 17 years ago, you would have grown right. with the city and exactly it wouldn't have been as insane as it is now because now they're a top 30 market now. I mean, Nashville is about 2 million people in the metro of Nashville, which is on the size of like a Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, Baltimore, San Diego level, you know, right. slightly bigger than San Antonio, but very comparable to San Antonio. So that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, it, I, I always enjoy going up to Nashville. I, and that's, it's funny because when I got let go in Birmingham a few years ago, there is a station, a sports talk station in Nashville that was hiring. And I was all about it because you get to talk hockey with the Preds. They have NFL with the Titans. College football right. is still a very big deal in Nashville as well. Right. And so I, it, it was one of those situations, much like when the ticket is going to hire somebody when you work at the level that, I mean, sounds 
egotistical, but it's just reality. Like you don't, you don't go to a website and apply. You call somebody that you know in the business and you say, Hey, can you check in and see what the deal is with this? And, and, and find out if I've got a shot here and push me for it. So I called a guy that we know that's high up in the sports talk radio world. Cause I, I had tried to contact the station and I was like, man, I wonder if this is a real opening. Cause you have to, for legal purposes, you have to post that you have a job opening. Right. And so I contacted this dude that we know, you and I both know him. And he was like, all right. He's like, let me call over there and I'll, I'll get back to you. So he called me like a few hours later and he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, I told him to call you and explain it. But yeah, he goes, they, they already got their guy. But, and I was like, okay, that's what I figured. But it was cool because I got an immediate response. The program director from that station ended up calling me same day and was like, hey, heard from so-and-so and just wanted to reach out and let you know, man, that it's, it's one of those deals, you know, it, they already had somebody that was working part-time at the station that they were going to promote and make full-time. And I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I understand that, dude. I totally get it. And he was like, but appreciate your interest in all that type of thing. And, and right. I heard good things about you and blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, so... And that's, I mean, that's, again, at big time stations and most markets like that, that's, that's how it works. I mean, it's very, very, very rare that you will see a station in a larger market that is like, oh yes, randomly apply to our gig. And we have no one in mind that we already want for this. No, exactly. No, I, f- I feel you on that a hundred percent. I mean, hell, when I got hired again in Birmingham. You know, I, they had already agreed to hire me and everything. And then like, I'd already seen my contract God, I don't know if I should say this. It's probably illegal, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. That did not happen. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Scratch <laughs> that part. No, I had to go on the website and apply and fill out a real application and all that type of thing. So um, I would like the jury to disregard what they just heard. Yeah, strike what was That's previously said. Record. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, you know what? And I, I would imagine... Most businesses, this is not unique to radio. Most businesses, it's who you know. You call somebody that you know, and then they want to bring you in because they know you, they've worked with you, they know somebody who knows you, and they feel better about that than a complete stranger. Yeah, and it can work in your favor, and it can work against you. Yeah, it goes both ways in that thing, man. I mean, it can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing, for sure. It's just the reality of the thing. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I say that quite a bit. It's just, it's not good or bad. It's just what it is. Yeah, pretty much. So the other thing that I wanted to throw out here, and this is, it's wild because, I guess it's not wild, it's not surprising, but Bed Bath & Beyond and Tuesday Morning, I'm sure we all are very familiar with that. I mean, Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, there's that movie that Will Ferrell was in called Old School where somebody asks him, hey, where are you going? He's like, you got a party with us. He's no, I can't. We got a pretty big Saturday lined up. I'm going to do a little Home Depot, maybe go Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. And then Adam Sandler had a movie called Click where he goes into a Bed Bath & Beyond and Christopher Walken plays his character who gives him a magical remote where he can fast forward through parts of his life and pause it and do all this type of stuff. And I bring this up because Bed Bath & Beyond is going away. It is going to be no more. And it just feels like something... I mean, I've I've been to a Bed Bath & Beyond who knows how many times. I've been there for a while at times I've purchased items through Bed Bath & Beyond, but it's one of those stores that is, there's just really no need for it anymore. And it's disappearing. And what's interesting is, so Tuesday morning, I guess it's the same company, is also going away. And they are going to start closing stores this spring and through the summer 
40 in Dallas-Fort Worth will just become the giant, empty big box stores. Like, they're, they're going to be gone. Like, you will not see Bed Bath & Beyond anymore. No, it's, uh, you know, man, Amazon and home delivery has gotten to most people. And uh, I imagine it got to them, too. Um, it's just like, you know, we always have this conversation whenever somebody like that goes out of business to go, all right, so when is the last time you've been to a mall? Or when is yeah. the last time you, you went to Bed Bath & Beyond? <laughs> I honestly, and, for me, I couldn't, I, I honestly, it's been a long time since I've done that. Bro, there's just, you don't have to. I mean, I still go to Home Depot and I'll still go to Lowe's. But I haven't been to that type of a store in, in forever. Because it, like you said with Amazon, you know, now I, I can go and Dude. see, I can find out like what is the best product for this that I need. Sweet, it'll be here tomorrow. Or it could be here today. Right. Some, I ordered it's something nuts. Uh, Saturday at uh, probably 7 in the morning. And it was at my house at uh, two or three. Yeah. That's how it is now. And, and what's interesting about this is apparently with these big box locations, they say that they're going to be snapped up immediately because, and this makes a ton of sense, new shopping center leases that are really popular are golf simulators, indoor pickleball courts, okay. fitness centers, and some of these stores that are retailers that are doing smaller format concepts like the container store, even like Total Wine and more and, and, and then discount stores like Burlington or Home Goods and stuff like that that are still popular. Like those are taking over these things. And I was like, you know what? I bet we start to see all kinds of indoor pickleball and golf simulators pop up because those Bro. are becoming more and more popular. Bro, that's exactly what's going to happen. I think it's more about because they just built someplace uh, out in Grand Prairie called Epic Center. Uh, that I've never been to. I'm going to go at some point in the next few weeks, which is pickleball courts, which I've seen but never played. Some incredible indoor rock climbing thingy. But it's more than rock climbing, but it's, it's, one of, it's like that. It's all at the same spot. It's got two or three more things there. And that's why they call it epic, because you can go here and do all this stuff. And you never have to leave. Uh, but they built it in Grand Prairie. Um, but uh, I've seen, I've been on TikTok looking because I like to look at uh, Dallas is such a big city and there's so much going on that you could easily not know 90% of the stuff to do in Dallas except the regular stuff that you normally do. Yeah. So I like to get on TikTok and go things to do in Dallas. And dude, I probably have not heard of 75% of the things that people are doing. And so sometimes I like to just pick them out and go like, let me check this out. And, uh, dude, it's a, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, just a whole lot of stuff, whether it's uh, virtual stuff or virtual gaming. I did that a couple of weeks ago, played Angry Birds. It was wild. Man, that's interesting. Dude, it was a trip. More of that. We need more of that. Uh, golf simulators. Um, I saw a, I was trying to do this the other day and didn't get a chance to. There's uh and I didn't even... I don't know. I, I don't know. It was like a virtual pool thing, like billiards. And I was like, this is interesting. Let me go check this out. So anyway, I like to spend my days looking around, finding stuff to do. Yeah, sounds like a good way to spend your days.
And how about this? I didn't know that this was a thing, but apparently it is. And, and yes, we were kind of talking about them and maybe not the best light a couple of podcasts ago, but Planet Fitness, I didn't know they did this. This is fantastic that they okay. do this. All right. From May 15th through August 31st, teenagers from 14 to 19 years old will be able to work out for free at any Planet Fitness location. Well, I think they deserve a standing ovation and a bunch of love. That's fantastic, man. And apparently they've done this. This will be the third year in a row to help teenagers stay fit while classes are out for the summer. It's called their high school summer pass program to help high schoolers stay active during the summer months in a fun, safe and judgment free environment. The company says that's incredible. I mean, May 15th through August 31st. I mean, or maybe you can get somebody, a teenager into being a little bit more active where they wouldn't have been before. And maybe they can carry those habits on through the school year. That's fantastic. No, that's a, that's a big win for them. I wonder what prompted them to do that, but I'm glad that they did because, uh, I mean, that's just great, man. Anything yeah. Keep people active and in shape, it's, it's great. Yeah, it says, Summer Pass participants will have access to free workouts designed specifically for high schoolers if they download the Planet Fitness app. And on top of free summer admission, they can also take part in a TikTok video submission contest to win $10,000 in individual academic scholarships. So if you've got teenagers 14 to 19, might want to be dropping them off at Planet Fitness this summer. That's (laughs) That's really cool, man. That's a win. I like that. That is a win. Good for them for stepping up, man. See, that's that's something a company can do to make a difference. No, it is. I applaud that very much so. I'm still bitter over my girl beating me my Angry Birds virtual game (laughs) i'm sorry we're talking about weightlifting i was like angry birds i'm still just upset about that well maybe next time you'll be the winner yeah or you know what make you feel better you can go see jr over at freeway tire shop he'll always put a smile on your face because he treats you so well takes care of your vehicle very well it's elite level customer service but more importantly he's the mechanic you can trust he does the work that he says he's going to do he backs it up He really spends a lot of time, him and his crew. It's not necessarily just, oh, hey, sorry, not you. I need to just JR here. It's anybody that's at Freeway Tire Shop. It's his staff, and they're all going to take care of you. Everything from the simple stuff like an inspection and an oil change to more intense work on your engine, Freeway Tire Shop is where you need to take your vehicles to get it taken care of in that elite touch. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, man. JR is a uh, is a special dude freeway tires a special place because all built on trust bro um you know when you got a car unless you know how to fix them yourself it's about trust man and so i rock with jr because you can trust him to diagnose quickly what's wrong with your car then this was new for me you can he you can trust him to put quality parts on your car and he gives you a choice most times if it's if it's available Hey, this one's a little cheaper, might not last quite as long. This one's a little more expensive, will probably last longer. How do you want to go? You can't really ask for much more than that, man. Then I trust him to charge me a fair price. Um, that's big to me. We know everybody's got to make a living, but, yeah, a fair price is crucial. And then, man, I trust him to stand behind his work because he's done it for me. And if your mechanic, as I tell you all the time, if your mechanic doesn't do all of that, then you need to go right up 35E toward Denton, Get off at Commonwealth, go through the light, look to the right, and tell JR, dude, 
the jam session folks told us to come here. We got to come because you keep your word on all those things. That's exactly right, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can find out more information. Check them out online at freewaytireshop.com. And of course, as we mention all the time, one thing you can do if you're going to Freeway, also head around the corner to Mockingbird and go and see Juan and Brent and the great staff over there at Smokey John's Barbecue. And keep in mind that today, many of you are listening to this on Wednesday, May 10th. This would be the last day to order the Mama's Tired of Cooking Pack. Just in time for Mother's Day. Again, Wednesday the 10th is the last day to order this. I know a lot of people gathering for Mother's Day this weekend. Everybody gets together with mom. It's two pounds of brisket, a slab of ribs, a whole chicken, two half-gallon sides, a gallon of their sweet tea or lemonade, the rolls, the barbecue sauce, all of that for 170 bucks. but you got to order it by 5 p.m. on Wednesday, May 10th, and then the deal goes away. So if you want to get it and you want to have something for mom and you're having a few people over, I would say Smokey John's and allowing them to cater that party for you is probably the way to go. I mean, how can you go wrong with Smokey John's, man? You cannot. It's impossible because they're amazing. <laughs> they're fantastic. And what's also amazing is what, man? It's the Jam Session Bowl. You've got to order. Seems like we've been getting a lot of people rolling through for the Jam Session Bowl uh, over the past couple of months. And, um, you know, we appreciate all the Jam fans who go there and order it. It's on the secret menu, so you got to ask for it. You ain't going to see it. But what it is is this delightful mix of, and you can start it off with a base of either mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, and then you get to pick two out of five smoked meats. I typically go with the brisket and the sausage, but I have been known to go with brisket and chicken or sausage and chicken. And then, man, that's when the fun starts. All that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, from cheese to sour cream to chives to bacon bits to butter, if you roll like that, they put all that on top, bro. Then they either drizzle some sauce on it or they just drench it with sauce. However you want it, bro. And it is fantastic. All right? So as for the Jam Session Bowl, you can thank us later. It's enough for two people. If you got a little shorty that's six or seven, the three of y'all can eat off of it. Matt will confirm this. We've never had anybody say anything less than it was phenomenal. That's very true. Like you guys seem to be blown away by the jam session bowl and you should be because it's awesome. So go check it out at Smokey John's barbecue. And also of course, HFX foundation solutions, all of our sponsors helping to make this podcast possible. Keep us going. We appreciate them. And you know, we we're talking about this earlier with flow air, heating and air needing to get your air conditioning serviced foundations the same way, man. And, and, Aaron was telling me last time I chatted with him through email, he's saying, look, we're starting to see a lot of those problems that were beginning to show up at the end of last summer. Now, as the next summer comes around, they're getting exacerbated. You're seeing a lot more of that. If you're noticing those sticking walls, those sticking walls, sticking doors, I mean, hell, if you got a sticky wall, that may be another problem, but <laughs> sticking doors, if you see those cracks that at first you kind of ignored, didn't think anything of, and now they're starting to spread, those are signs that you could have a foundation problem. HFX Foundation Solutions is a free, no obligation inspection. They come out, they handle all of that. Your gutter installations and everything, man, don't mess around with your foundation. Have them come out and check out your property. There's a reason why we lovingly call it a colonoscopy for your crib, man. You get a colonoscopy to figure out all the stuff inside that you can't see, make sure it's working right. Same concept with your house, man. It's checking inside the cracks and crevices of your house, inside the bowels of the house to make sure everything's working right. And if it does, you get the peace of mind that comes with that. And if not, chances are, if you have Aaron and him come out and check out, check out your place, 
you'll find it early. And we all know if you catch something early, it's usually a fraction of the cost than if you catch it late. So give Aaron and his team a call at HFX. Tell them you want that colonoscopy from your crib that you heard about on Jam Session. And trust me, you can send us a thank you note later. Make it happen. <laughs> it's easy to do. 817-770-0174. Check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So you sent this article the other day. I started digging into this, man. And, and I'm not surprised. But with the Mavs, who are watching other teams have success in the playoffs, so they've been enjoying the last month off, apparently reports coming out now that Luka, and I'm not surprised by this, essentially Luka doesn't want to give up the spotlight to Kyrie Irving. And not that they butted heads. I mean, all reports are Kyrie loved Dallas. It was a perfect model teammate while he was in Dallas. The Mavs are going to try and, and do what they can to keep them around through free agency. But Luka, as you might imagine, doesn't like having to share the ball and obviously has never had to, probably in his life playing basketball, he's never had to share the backcourt and share especially clutch moments with somebody else who is just as dominant with the ball as he is. Um, You know... Okay, check this out, bro. I sent you that story because I thought it was very interesting. Um, and it was interesting from a couple levels. Like, just the, just the basics of the story. It's like, okay, that's cool. I get that. That's interesting to me. But then, man, as a journalist, I just look at it. I go, bullshit. <laughs> and here's why. And this is just from a journalistic perspective. What happens is you have a story um, from a from a website that's not really known for covering the Mavericks or covering basketball. So that's my first kind of side eye to it. But it it just kind of reinforces how the world works where there's a quote from an anonymous GM. Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay, there's 30 what is it? 30 teams in the NBA. This is one anonymous GM who starts the quote off by saying, "I don't think." Not I know, I don't think. Well, then, then you don't really know. You're just surmising like everybody else looking from a distance. So I'm like, this reporter built a whole story around one GM. One, not like five. Like, we talked about a story about Dion last week um, in The Athletic where several people were talking. I think we did anyway. Where several people were talking about whether his approach to turning over the roster at the rate he could, could work. Now, you could agree with that story or you could disagree with that story. But they talked to like 10 different head coaches. Okay, now you can reach a consensus of opinion, whether people agree with it or whether people disagree with it. One GM is not a consensus, bro. I mean, it's just not. It's one person's opinion, and you don't know what that person's agenda is. And so while it's interesting to talk about, and there could be some truth to it, I find it interesting that, you know, we're still, I mean, this is why people don't trust journalism, and this is why people don't trust reporters. It's because... You put out stories like this that don't really have reporting in it. And that's the problem. You want reporting in it so you can be like, wow, this dude. Like Tim Cato, he does a good job reporting. He's with The Athletic. When he writes stuff about the Mavericks, yeah. whether you agree with it or you disagree with it, that thing is well reported. There's people on the record. There's people off the record. And guess what? The shit turns out to be true. When Tim McMahon reports on stuff, uses anonymous source whether you agree or whether you disagree 
it's well reported and it's 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 multiple people saying whatever it is that he's saying like when he wrote that uh you know luca had requested the mavericks do something and mark cuban came no we never said that and what happened matt yeah they did they made a big trade for Kyrie. so yeah luca asked y'all to do something yes um so that's why so it's interesting the the overall thought process that luca doesn't want to share the ball that's interesting now let me tell you what i heard this weekend bro i heard that um now this is this is the difference like would i report this and go hey here's a story i wrote based off of one person i talked to this weekend no but in this form i can say this is something i heard i'd like to follow up on it and see the veracity of it but you could hear you could see how it could make sense just like you could see how luca not wanting to share the ball makes sense sure but but there ain't even nobody. There's not even an, an anonymous player on the Mavericks said, you're right, Luka never wants to give it up. There's not even that, bro. It's just one GM from another team. So anyway, this weekend I heard, you know what the real problem is in Dallas? I said, nah, dog, what is it? And this is somebody who covers the Mavericks on a regular basis. He said, the problem is half the team wants to run and play at a faster pace, which Kyrie does. The other half of the team is okay with Lucas slowing it down to make sure he gets his shot and do whatever. He says, so the divide is not like that Luca doesn't want to share the ball. He said the divide is the pace. Some of the guys on the team want to go faster because it allows them to get easier, better, quicker shots. Other people are like, Lucas the, the guy, so if he wants to slow it down and play at a slower pace, that's okay. Well, Kyrie plays at a faster pace, Luca plays at a slower pace, and that's the divide within the team. Now, that conversation made sense to me, but have I talked to any players who could co-sign on that, Matt? No. So I just bring it out here as a theory. I make sure that everybody knows this is just something I heard, not something I'm reporting. And then we can have conversations about it until somebody does some more research on it and puts out a real well-reported story on that thing. Yeah, it, it's... I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, okay, so one guy, and as you scroll through the articles, like it makes sense what he's saying, Certainly, right. it makes sense. It's Can also interesting to back it up because John Hollinger, who also writes for The Athletic now and has been covering the NBA for forever, it feels like he threw something out recently where he says, my spies telling me in Utah that or I should say my spies telling me that Utah in particular is keeping a very interested eye on Doncic's situation. But even the Nets kitchen sink offer for Doncic Four firsts from Phoenix that they got and one from Philly. So five first rounds plus whatever matching salary not named Bridges is needed to make the deal work likely falls massively short. So the idea being that no matter what a Utah or a net or whatever team could offer for Luca, the Mavs would simply be like, no way. We're not we're trading. Not. We're not trading Luca. You're not going to trade. Uh, you're not going to trade Luca because you know five first round picks those are just lottery tickets man maybe they hit maybe they don't but it's the nba chances are they're not going to hit <laughs> yeah and you got to do everything you can with luca here and if he walks at the end of this thing like kd did when he left oklahoma city then that's what it is and you you couldn't you couldn't get it done the other thing and i think it was tim cato that was talking about this is it's not necessarily Kyrie and luca it, it's they don't play, have anybody who plays defense. 
Luca doesn't yeah. really play defense. He's just bigger and, and is awkward for guys when he's guarding them. But they don't have anybody. And they traded their best defender in Dorian Finney-Smith to get Kyrie. And so now it's figuring out, okay, if you're going to bring back Kyrie and Luca's going to be here, then those are the two dudes. So you better go out and find a couple of guys who can play elite level shutdown defense, even if they do absolutely nothing offensively, because you don't really need them to. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think the thing has been they've had misconstructed rosters the whole time Luca's been here. That they've tried some things and they haven't worked. But you don't get no credit for trying, dog. I mean, you really don't. You just don't. You get credit for results, not for effort at the professional level. Because whether it's a player, whether it's an organization, for the most part, every team, every player is playing hard. They want to win. So you don't get credit for that, man. That's doing what we expect you to do. That's what you get paid to do is to play hard. So you get paid to make plays and to help your team win games. And so for the Mavs as an organization, you don't get credit because you tried to do something with Porzingis or you tried to do something with Kyrie. You get credit for putting a team around Luka that's actually successful. Yeah, and, and that's the goal. I mean, they obviously have massive problems, but again, nothing offensively seemed to be a problem this past season, even after they acquired Kyrie Irving. This is a team that has got to find people who can play some damn defense. Yeah. And then figure out the pacing. And... and it seems to me, because Luca seems to get really frustrated when they're not winning, that whatever pace they decide to play at, if, if they win playing that style, I think he'll be happy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he really does want to win. I think that that motivates him and drives him. Now, that being said, he needs to find a way to show up. Let's be in the best shape. Let's take it seriously. Develop more of your game. And then let's also try and keep in mind, and, and this is so difficult because he showed up so young, so good, that we forget we are talking about a dude who just turned 24 years old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he but, is he's another year or two away, truly, from entering his prime. But we forget about that because he's all NBA first team year in and year out, and he has been with the Mavs now since 2018. I mean, the dude's a four-time NBA All-Star and a three-time all-NBA first team. I think sometimes we forget that he's still, you know, he, he's a year away from turning 25. Yeah, but he's been in the league almost five years, and dude, the NBA is unforgiving. It's about winning championships within the NBA. Dirk had a certain viewpoint until he won a championship, and then it completely changed. That's very true. We'll see where they go forth. So those Dallas Stars who will play game four, as we record this on Tuesday, they play tonight, so we won't know the outcome of this game but it's crazy because we're driving back from Nashville the other night and I'm listening to the Stars game because we get XM, Sirius XM in the car so you can listen to it. So I'm listening to it and, you know, first period sounds really solid, looks good. Second period, I'm like, okay, man, if we can just get a goal here and get this thing going. Apparently, and Razor, I love listening to Razor on the radio because he has been with the Stars for forever, but he's very, very blunt and honest and, and when Razor's talking about you know there's a couple of goals that Ottinger gave up that you just don't see that guy give up and you could tell that there seemed to be something missing from Dallas the Haskinen thing when he got popped in the face and sounds like he's going to play in game four and he wanted to come back in game three but there was no point in bringing him back out for the third period 
you know, had a nasty cut, had to get off the ice and, and get some stitches. When he got popped, it's like the, the defense had no idea what to do. And because he got hit, that allowed one goal because, I mean, basically, I mean, he went down on the ice immediately. Right. And then after that, it's like they were, they were scrummaging, trying to figure out what do we do without Miro back here now, guiding us and, and being the anchor of our defense. But my God, I mean, all of a sudden, it went from a tie game, you're in this thing, even at one nothing. I mean, it was 4 nothing in the blink of an eye. And I kept turning the radio off when we were in the car. And then I would turn it back on. And it was like, I, uh, just because I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm done at 3 nothing. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Okay. And I turn it back on. And then like a second later, it's 4 nothing. I'm like, I'm done. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I turn it back on. But man, dude, 5-1 to one at the end of 2. And we got home, like I said, right at the, about the beginning of the third period. I didn't turn the game. I didn't watch the third period. I was like, no th- need to. This game is over. They've pulled Ottinger. Scott Wedgwood, who we never see, comes in. It's like they're, and of course, they end up giving up a shorthanded goal in the third period. They lose seven to two. The Kraken absolutely grabbed the momentum in this series. And now, once again, Dallas is playing catch up in this series and in, in basically in a must win game on Tuesday night. Yeah, but you know, this is a long series, man. I mean, I don't. I mean, a lot of people tried to say what that um, this is going to be a long series when it started. I mean, like, yo, they beat Colorado. These ain't no chumps. Seven game series are not about fluky wins. Seven game series about I beat you. There's no. You don't fluke your way to seven games. You fluke your way to a win or two. You don't fluke your way to seven game series wins. So. The Stars remain a, uh, a quality team. I think they're still a better team than the Kraken. But the Kraken playing with a lot of confidence. And uh, they're playing well. And it's up to the Stars to match everything, just like they did in uh, game one, man. Uh, they have to match the physicality and the energy because the Kraken seem to be a very balanced team where everybody just plays the same. <laughs> there's no bad players. There's no bad lines. They just play the same. And so you got to match that energy. And, um, you know, the goalie's got to be better. He wasn't that good the other day. Not um, at all, man. Not, I, I think in the, in the second period, he gave up four goals. It was 4 nothing on seven shots. Yeah. That's trash. Um, and he's got to be better. I mean, it ain't really complicated. And let's, you know, let's also tell the truth. Kalashar wrote about it today. Jason Robertson's got to be better, man. You can't be, you know, scoring as many points as he scored in the regular season. Yeah, he's been as invisible. Many, as many goals as he scored and then be a non-factor. Yeah, I mean, you just can't. Not if your team is going to win. No, so, it, it, it's you, you, you got to win tonight, man. And, and it's going to be – Ottinger's going right. to have to be the elite-level goalie that we've seen him be. Well, let me ask you this. Will they put uh, your boy Robertson back on the line with uh, Pavelski and Rupe and, and see if he can get back to his comfort zone cause, since he's been playing with uh, Sagan? Yeah, they need to. I don't. I don't know why he hadn't gone back to that. It is when Pabs came back and was ready to go. I would have immediately put him back on the line that was so successful during the regular season. You got to think that tonight they're going to try something different. Hopefully, we'll see Pavelski skating with that line. We'll see, man. And it's it's frustrating because that was gross. But again, that's the worst game that Ottinger has had as an NHL goalie and the second worst game that he's ever had, say percentage-wise and all that, in his professional hockey career. So I can't imagine it can get worse than that. 
you got to think he's going to be rebounding tonight and back at it. And the stars are going to play with that hunger and that sense of desperation, knowing you got to win. And if you can get the win tonight and get this thing at two, two, it becomes a three game series with two games in Dallas and one in Seattle. And maybe you can take this thing, but you don't want to go down three, one with your backs against the wall. And the reality that you have to win three consecutive games to survive. You do not want that to happen. No, I mean, I think everybody knows this is a game you need to win tonight. Uh, make it the best of three and, and keep it moving. Uh, the, the problem with – it's not even a problem. You know, what happens is when you lose game three is, once again, you're not in control of the series. You don't feel like you're in control of the series. But last time this was happening, they reeled off three straight wins and, and advanced to the second round. Yeah, let's hope so, man. And, and hockey's a wild thing because the Kraken were the eight seed and – I guess they're the seventh seed in this side of the bracket. And then you had the Florida Panthers. The, I was going to say, what about the Florida Panthers, bro? Who are up three games to none on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, in hockey, it's not a death sentence. I mean, it pretty much is. You're, you're on, I mean, they, are, they got their hand on the plug ready to pull it. But in hockey, teams that are up 3-0 three, three in a seven-game series are 199-4 and four all time. So it's, ha- it's actually happened four times in the past. A couple in the not-too-distant past where teams have come back down three games to none. But, man, the Panthers, it just – no one thought they'd beat the Bruins. Now they're going to beat the Leafs. I, I mean, you're talking about a team that barely made the playoffs and stumbled in, probably shouldn't even be a playoff team, that's going to be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Dude. And then, I, I mean, again, it, it's like the Kraken. I mean, look. If you can beat the Avs, who are the defending Stanley Cup champions, and you can score like they can score, you can make a run. And that's what we're seeing. And if the Stars aren't going to play their best, and if Robertson's not going to step up and do some of those things, and some of the other guys on this team aren't going to do the things that we saw them do in the regular season, you are going to lose to the Kraken. And you'll deserve to lose to the Kraken. Yes. So, it's, uh, but, you know, the series... Hey, man, it's getting interesting. And to the next game four will be what it's all about. Uh, they got to pull out the dub. But the Stars have been good all year. You know, Ottinger's got a fabulous record after a loss. Um, everything says at some point Robertson will be the guy we know him to be. The key thing, though, is, uh, is Miro coming back and, uh, and doing his thing and bringing structure to the back line and, and making everybody feel comfortable. I hope so, man. I yeah, really if he's not going to play. That's a big ass problem. But yeah. for now, we'll assume he plays. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't, because it, yeah. it, from what I've read, it had it wasn't like a head injury thing where there's no concussion. He's not in the protocol. No, it's really just a cut. Yeah, and, and hockey players play with that. I mean, this is a playoffs. Hockey players play with everything. They'll numb it up. And like I said, I mean, DeBoer was saying after the game that he wanted to come back and play in the last game, but they didn't see a point. Much like Ottinger. Like, what was the point of putting him out there in the third? You're down 5-1. It's obvious it's not your night. Let, let's get, save your energy, and let's go ahead, and, and we're looking at the next game. Exactly. And that's what you have to do sometimes. And, and Well, man, I just I, I can't handle it. They, I got to they need I gotta have a win. Hopefully all of you are listening to this on Wednesday going, all right, cool, Matt's okay, they won. Because down 3-1, that's a taste in my mouth. I don't want to have, my friend. I, I don't want to deal with that. I can't nope. handle it. Nah, bro, you don't want to deal with that. That's a good way to say it. No, I don't. I need it to be more. I need a win tonight. And you know what? We're going to get one. I can feel it. A win is hey, on the way. Is it time for the Heskin in Jersey? Well, I go back and forth on that. <laughs> but I didn't wear it last time and they lost, so I'll definitely be wearing it this time. I mean, it goes back and forth. 
I mean, hell, in game one, I was wearing it, and they were down four to two, so I took it off, and then they came back and tied. But then they ended up losing, so I didn't know what to do. It's a back and forth, man. It can be frustrating. And by the way, props to the Rangers. They were down one nothing, and it, you thought there was a perfecto going to happen, and then they were able to finally crack the Seattle pitcher and stayed the course, and the bullpen actually didn't suck, and they ended up coming from behind late on, what was that, Monday night? Yeah, last night, Monday night, and winning 2-1 to one in Seattle. They are now 21-13, and 13, dude. They're eight games above 500 after scoring two runs in the top of the seventh to come back and beat Seattle. They're 21-13, and 13, and I keep saying this because it's true. They should really be about 25-9. and nine. It is true, man. And I, and I say that I'm trying to be fair, but like, I don't know that they've, um, and I, I would have to check, and maybe I'll do that before. Like, what I'm saying is they've blown right off the top of my head these games where they were up 4 nothing or had four-run leads. I don't know that they've come back from a four-run deficit, you know what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is I don't know how many times they've won games they should have lost, but I know damn sure they've lost a bunch of games they should have won. Um, and so they've got I'm not right I'm not quite ready to go there yet but the reality of it is they have a really good team and we'll see if um, they can make it happen you know if they're going to be there for a while you know normally middle of June if you're still there you're there Uh, I like the fact that they're building a little bit of lead over Houston while Houston's struggling right now Um, I don't really worry about the Angels or the Mariners I think they're as good as them and then we got to figure out if DeGrom is going to, uh, you know, I can live with DeGrom if, you know, this is just kind of what he is. He's going to pitch you five, six, seven innings, and then he's going to be out for a start or two. If that's just what he is, that's what he is, because that's still better than he gone for the year. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope that he can be back before the end of May and that it's not a Tommy John thing. But like last night, John Gray went seven innings, only gave up four hits, struck out eight. He was phenomenal, and the Rangers' bullpen only had to go two innings and did what they were supposed to do, didn't blow anything. I mean, hell, Smith came on in the, in the ninth and struck out the side for the save. Right. You know, so that this is it, – it feels real, I guess is a way to say it. Like, it feels like this is a team that, that is doing what kind of management, and I mean general management and ownership, believe they could do when they invested into this. You got a four and a half game lead over Seattle and Houston. That can be wiped out in a week. But if if you keep just staying the course and doing what we're doing, at this point, I mean, keep in mind, man, these guys now have made what, seven starts, eight starts in some cases. So as long as it's health, the, the pitching staff is kind of what it is with health. I mean, this is a right. the bullpen is where the problem becomes. But you've got a lot you can do now because like Ezekiel Duran comes up and looks like he's going to be the real deal this time and is ready to go. And they've got like a backlog in the minors in the middle infield with some guys that would be of interest to other teams where in a couple of months, it will make sense for the Rangers to be active buyers in the trade market for some perhaps bullpen help if they're still in the position that they're in. And they'll be giving up guys in the minors who just with Simeon and Seeger here and in Duran, obviously, who they're going to have to probably end up converting to a left fielder. You got Josh Young at third. There's just a backlog where if you are a, a high A or double A prospect for the Rangers right now with those positions, you're not going to play for this team. 
So it'd be interesting no. to see what they can do at the trade deadline because they've got some decent pieces in that farm system that can make them buyers to shore up this bullpen if they need to. Bro, they need a closer, plain and simple. And they'll be able to go out and get one, perhaps. Yeah, and I would go get a good closer. I wouldn't go get just a guy. No, I'd go identify a team that's having a year that they didn't think they were going to have. St. Louis Cardinals come to mind. And yeah. I would go make a play for somebody in an organization like that that maybe is ready to move on from somebody. And I don't know who the Cardinals' closer is, and maybe they suck this year, but... A lot of people thought St. Louis would win the Central and they're 12 games under 500, having their worst start in 30 years. Yeah. Uh, there's closers out there. You just got to go identify the one you want and go get him. But, uh, you know, you, you want to – I would – this would be a year I would make a move for that dude sooner rather than later. I like mean, hell – I would hell, wait till the trade deadline. I'd go two, three, four weeks before the trade deadline so I can milk him for as much as I can. I mean, even, even the Yankees imagine, are 10 games out of first place, man. You know? I mean, imagine – I'm talking about just regular sports. Just imagine what the talk is in the clubhouse amongst guys, just amongst guys, when they're at their lockers or they're at dinner or lunch or whatever. Like, damn, man. Uh, if our bullpen was straight, yeah, we could really be running away with this thing. And that's not a knock on the guys in the bullpen. It's just what it is. And imagine, and so my point is, if you had a real closer, imagine the boost of confidence that this team would have because it'd be like, all we need was a closer. Somebody to finish it out. Then, you know, Will Smith and LeClerc and those guys, if, you know, if they can, especially LeClerc, if he can figure out his mechanical issue and get back to throwing strikes, well, then you can have those guys setting up the seventh and the eighth for whoever your closer is. And now you're really, as we say in the hood, cooking with grease. Do y'all say that? Did y'all say that in uh, Rockwell cooking with grease? I don't. I don't think I've ever said that. Okay, I've heard it before. So all right, that's good. Probably I'm familiar from, with the phrase. From, probably from Rashid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's possible I heard it from him. I guess I don't know. We'll see, man. But things on the up and up in Rangers world. Maybe for stars. You guys have a wonderful mid part of your week. And we'll definitely be back. We'll have another podcast dropping for you on Friday, heading into Mother's Day weekend. So be ready for that. Appreciate you guys, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.